Have you ever wanted to dive deeper into scripture? If so, you're in luck, because every day there's a new scripture reflection from the thoughtful staff at America Media, thinking through big questions together, like, what do Catholics believe about guardian angels? And what can Gen Zers take away from the Gospels? If you're already a subscriber, you can access these reflections in your email inbox or on our website. If you'd like to become a digital subscriber, it's easy to do. Just visit americamagazine.org slash subscribe, and you'll have full access to America's Scripture Reflections. Welcome to Inside the Vatican with America Media. Each week, veteran Vatican reporter Gerard O'Connell and I take you behind the headlines for an intergenerational conversation about the biggest stories out of the Vatican. As the only U.S. Cardinal selected this year in a group of 21, McRoy says his primary role will be to help elect a new pope when that time comes. Pope Francis named 21 new cardinals this weekend. We'll give you a rundown of some of the Pope's most interesting picks, including Bishop McElroy of San Diego, and what kind of message these appointments send to the church and the world. We'll take a look at how Pope Francis has prioritized appointing cardinals from underrepresented places and marginalized groups, and why he's bringing the cardinals together for an extraordinary meeting in Rome. I'm Colleen Deli. This is Inside the Vatican. Good morning from New Orleans, Jerry. Good afternoon from a hot and humid Rome, Colleen, and where there's an air of expectation. What's the air of expectation for? Well, we wonder if Pope Francis is going to make the announcement of new nominations to top Vatican offices. Right, because the new constitution on the Roman Curia takes effect on June 5th, so we're recording June 1st. It's just in a couple days. Adding to the era of expectation, this Sunday, May 29th, Pope Francis announced that he would create 21 new cardinals this year in August, and that includes American Bishop Robert McElroy of San Diego and a few other surprise choices. 16 of these new cardinals are under age 80, so they'll be able to vote in a conclave if one were held right after they're made cardinals in August. And this means that Pope Francis has now appointed just under two-thirds of the current cardinal electors. So Jerry, Everybody knows it's the cardinals who elect the Pope, but I'm wondering what other significance being named a cardinal has. Like, what changes for the bishops who were named cardinals this weekend? First of all, they get a standing, I think, in their own country, which they didn't have as the bishop. So it increases their standing, their status vis-a-vis the state, but also vis-a-vis their own people, because they see that the Pope has chosen this person as one of his advisors in relation to their own bishops to the bishops' conference of which they're a part, they now stand out as somebody that the Pope has indicated is a man who's very much in harmony with the Pope and one who has more clout, if you wish, in terms of the message because uh, he's seen as reflecting the thinking of the Pope or able to express it in a good way in his particular country. So it's sort of a intangible result, but it's that they gain the respect of people, right? They are somebody who is trusted to be kind of a voice on behalf of the Pope, somebody who we know has the Pope's ear. We haven't had a consistory, a ceremony where new cardinals are created in a couple of years. So I was wondering, how does Pope Francis decide when to name a new batch of cardinals? Like, why now? Well, Colin, if you think he's in his 10th year, and this will be his eighth consistory. Right. So he's almost made one a year, and I expect him to make another one next year. Why is that? 
Well, by September 2023, that's September of next year, the number of cardinal electors will have reduced to 120 by September, but by December it will be maybe 116. Right. Let's let's explain this for a minute. So the College of Cardinals has about 120 electors. That's the current number that's on the books. As of the consistory in August, when these new cardinals are created, it'll be 132 electors. But with all the people turning 80 in the next year, that'll go down to 120 electors, that number that they're trying to get to by September 2023. So they're trying to keep that balance. Exactly. Many people think this is his final go. I don't really believe this. Why would it be his final go? Well, many people think he's he's got health problems. I mean, really, he's got a problem with his knee. Yeah. And that it incapacitates his mobility. But that is all. I mean, if you think back that uh, the United States had a president in a wheelchair for, I think, 14 years. Jerry, Let's talk about how kind of the College of Cardinals has changed. We know in general the narrative is that Pope Francis is shifting the power balance away from Europe, away from Italy, and towards Latin America, Asia, and Africa. I want to know how Pope Francis chooses the people that he chooses to be cardinals. Like, what are his criteria? He's first of all looking for men who are humble and prayerful and who reflect to a high degree, his vision of a church that reaches out to people, that is inclusive, not exclusive, a church that's close to the poor, that is not judgmental, it reaches out to other religions and to the other Christian churches. So these are the qualities, the let's say the indispensable qualities that he's looking for in a cardinal. Secondly, he's looking not so much to the place in which they are bishop. For example, in Italy, the Italians were a little shocked that Francis decided again to overlook the big seas, the big diocese, Venice, Milan, Naples, Turin. Right. Historically, these were all cardinals, right? Like it was almost automatic. In the past hundred years, Colleen. Yeah, okay, okay. But Francis, from the beginnings, he saw this as a kind of a promotional, kind of a stepladder, that you got one appointed to one diocese and then to a cardinal lacial see. That's a see where you would get become a cardinal. And he, he set out to break this. So he wanted the conclave to reflect the diversity of the Catholic world. Right. So now, on the 27th of August, when he makes the new batch of cardinals, you will have 69 countries reflected in the College of Electors. Right. And many of these have not had their own cardinals before. We've seen a lot of first-time appointments. Let's talk about the number of electors that Pope Francis has appointed. If we had a conclave you know, the day after the consistory in August, what percentage has Francis appointed? Of the electors. By the end of August, I think it would be close on 62-63%. If you go to December, it will be almost 69%. And how does that compare to the number that you need to elect a pope? Two-thirds plus one of electors. So as of December, the Francis appointees make up two-thirds plus one. Yes, it doesn't mean that they will all be voting like Francis. No, of course. But the likelihood of his successor to be one who is substantially on the same page as Francis is quite high. Well, let me add, 
I do not see a conclave on the immediate horizon. So jumping off of this idea of Pope Francis choosing the person over the place, we really see that in the case of the one American who was named this weekend, Bishop, now Cardinal-designate, Robert McElroy. He's the Bishop of San Diego, and he's being named a Cardinal while the bishops of two larger cities in California, Archbishop Gomez in Los Angeles and Archbishop Cordelione in San Francisco, are not being named. And you wrote in your article this weekend that, quote, by choosing McElroy to be a cardinal instead of others, Pope Francis is sending a powerful message to the American bishops and the church. Can you explain what you mean by that? What's the message? Well, Bishop McElroy, still Cardinal-designate McElroy, he stood out as one bishop in the United States who really articulated and put into practice much of the vision of church that Francis has been promoting since day one of his pontificate. Do you have any examples? On the question of synodality, Bishop McElroy, in his own diocese, before the Pope called a, a synod to discuss synodality, he had already organized in, in his diocese a synod which involved thousands and thousands of people. And he's now engaged in, in a much larger discussion, synodal discussion in his diocese, which has involved hundreds of thousands of people, I think. Right. Secondly, he is one who stood out very clearly on such issues as the migration, the environment, on the question of nuclear power, and on the question of a church that does not exclude, that is inclusive. And so reaching out to LGBT and he also has been very strong that the Eucharist should not be weaponized. Yeah, I want to jump in here because, you know, a lot of people this weekend when these names were announced were rushing to say, oh, well, this is Pope Francis's rebuke to Archbishop Corleone, who we discussed last week, who publicly said that he would not allow Nancy Pelosi to receive the Eucharist in his diocese. It seems that he probably made the decision to appoint McElroy long before Corleone made his statement. But I, I wanted to ask you about that. Is is this related to Corleone denying Nancy Pelosi communion, or how do we interpret it? My understanding, and from what I know here, is that uh, Francis has been thinking, making his selection way back. It had nothing to do with the last few weeks. The Pope has chosen him because of his overall vision. He's not a single-issue cardinal. No, in fact, we have an interview on America's podcast, Voting Catholic, that's exactly about that, where McElroy talks about the importance of the environment in particular, and the importance of not being a, a single-issue voter, right? We we get this narrative in the United States a lot that Catholics need to vote based on abortion and only abortion, and, and he argues against that. He, he's been very clear in, in the interview I did with him last October. He was very articulate about that racism of question, climate change, he felt we were the American Church wasn't doing enough on these questions. He said, "Yes, abortion." He shares the position of other bishops that abortion is this really uh, an issue of major concern. He is not agreeing with it being singled out as the only top preeminent issue. Then he's a very learned man. Right. He went to Harvard, Stanford, studied at the Pontifical Gregorian University. He's he's seen as one of the top intellectuals among the U.S. bishops, and he's known around the world. Yes. I want to add here that, you know, 
In terms of being aligned with Francis's priorities, you and I have talked a lot about how implementing Vatican II is like one of the main goals of the Francis Pontificate. And Bishop McElroy just wrote a piece for America Magazine that went up this week about synodality and Vatican II, about synodality as an implementation of Vatican II. So I'm going to link to that article, along with the Voting Catholic interview and your interview with Bishop McElroy in the show notes, and our listeners can go check out all of these things that McElroy has had to say in America Magazine so far, because these are things that, you know, now have the weight of a cardinal designate behind them. So you and I are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the effects that these appointments have had outside the U.S. on the rest of the world. We've seen Pope Francis appoint new cardinals from marginalized communities around the world, including one from India's lowest caste. So we'll talk about that and the message that it sends to the world after the break. Stay with us. Era di dare un vescovo a Roma. Sembra che i miei fratelli cardinali sono andati a prenderlo quasi alla fine del mondo. When Pope Francis was elected in 2013, one of the first things he said when he went out on the balcony in St. Peter's Square was that the cardinals had gone to the ends of the earth to find a new bishop of Rome. And with his cardinal appointments, Francis has been continuing that trend of going to the ends of the earth. We talked about that a little bit in the first part of the show, but I want to talk now about how that's also meant Francis choosing cardinals from communities that are marginalized, even within the places that they live. For example, we saw Pope Francis name Cardinal Wilton Gregory as the first African-American cardinal a couple of years ago. Now he's chosen a cardinal from India's lowest caste, the Dalits, and a chosen a cardinal from Nigeria who was appointed as a bishop but then was rejected by the priests and the faithful in his diocese for being of the wrong ethnic group. So let's talk about these two new cardinals, starting with Cardinal-elect Anthony Pula, who is the first Dalit cardinal. What effect is having a Dalit cardinal going to have in India, Jerry? Enormous, I suspect. The majority of Christians in India come from the Dalit. The Dalit, in case our audience doesn't know, are known, better known as the untouchables. They are the bottom of the social ladder. The population of India is over one billion, but a quarter of the population are from the untouchables. And these really are the excluded in society. So when you have a, a Dalit appointed a cardinal, I mean, does it mean that leaders in India will have to be shaking hands with this person, for example? Like, is this Francis forcing them into that position? It is very significant. Now, there are a whole political bloc in India who are quite concerned and oppose Christianity, and many of them are in the BJP party, which support Modi, the, the prime minister of the country. They have, in some places, been quite uh, aggressive against the Christians. Why? Because they see that Christianity has the potential to completely undo the caste system. That's amazing. Because here now you have in the church, where many, many of, of the Catholics are Dalits, here now you have one raised to the highest position outside of being Pope. Anthony Pula actually gave an interview uh, to Crux this week in which he said, you know, this 
this shows this is the beginning of of writing historic wrongs that that have been done in India. He said, you know, this is a step towards healing from the past. This is typical Francis. He's going to the most oppressed. Right. Which is also um, typical of Jesus, we should say. Yes. I want to talk about Cardinal Designate Okpaleke now, who is from Nigeria. He was the one who was rejected by by the priests and the faithful in his diocese on the basis of his ethnicity. Can you give us a little background about what happened there? Well, you have to understand, Colleen, that ethnicity or tribalism is a major obstacle to the spread of the gospel. People in given dioceses, they, they want to keep their own ethnic group, their own tr- tribal group. And this bishop was a different ethnicity than most of the people in his diocese. I mean, this is just so hard for me to imagine the faithful of a diocese rejecting a bishop and the fact that it worked. So can you tell me a little bit about like how this happened? Benedict appointed him to the diocese. The priests and many of the people rejected him. He eventually resigned. Francis tried to get the priests to accept him. They wouldn't. He resigned. And then they created a new diocese, and he was appointed as bishop of the new diocese. Well, now Francis, I'm told, uh, one of the reasons that he chose this man was obviously in reaction to this, but also because he saw he was humble, that he resigned and said, okay, they don't want me. I, I will resign. I cannot govern this diocese. And Francis saw this as a mark of humility. The message is strong. Just as in India, he's hitting against the caste system by making a cardinal one of the untouchables. Here in Africa, he's choosing a candidate who was rejected because he was of another tribal group. Jerry, I want to talk about another interesting choice here, uh, which is the new cardinal, Giorgio Marengo. He's an Italian, but he's been working in Mongolia. Um, Why is his appointment significant? Well, here's a country which has never had a cardinal, where the Christian population is really a tiny, tiny minority. 1,200 Catholics, I think, It's a majority Buddhist country. And it's what's interesting, and I don't know if this was the reason for the appointment, but Francis actually met the the new cardinal designate with a delegation of Buddhists from Mongolia, and he met them just some days before he named him cardinal. It's the first time ever that the Buddhists have come to the Vatican and meet the Pope. And whether he got inspiration at that meeting to make a new cardinal, we don't know. Maybe we will discover. But uh, it would not surprise me because Francis is very observant and uh, he sometimes, uh, they say he has cardiogenesis. What does that mean? In other words, he, he sometimes feels with his heart and he responds many times from what he feels in his heart and he feels that maybe the spirit is prompting him. Yeah, I think that there can be a, a seeming contradiction between what you've just said about, you know, he could have just had the strike from the Holy Spirit telling him to appoint this person he just met. I, I want to make clear, though, that, you know, that doesn't negate what we were saying about Bishop McElroy earlier, that most of these decisions are made far in advance. We don't actually know if he just decided this. No, he's, he, he's, he's, had, he's had a list a long time, I understand. Yeah, it's been a couple of years since last consistory, and, and certainly McElroy's, you know, pedigree, his, his resume has gone on much longer than this. He's been on the radar for a long time. 
Let's talk briefly about this meeting that's supposed to happen just after the consistory on August 27th, when all of the cardinals are supposed to come to Rome. On the 29th and the 30th, he's organized that they will meet to discuss, to reflect on the reform of the Roman Korea. But really, I, I think he hasn't explained it, but I, I think this is really uh, his way of providing a possibility for the cardinals to get to know each other. Ah, that's super important. Today, Colleen, walk down the Via della Conciliazione, that's the street that leads up to St. Peter's. You could get cardinals, people who are cardinals, they'd walk past each other if they weren't dressed as cardinals, and they wouldn't recognize each other. This is a big thing that's brought up when Pope Francis makes these appointments from the margins. People always raise concerns that in the next conclave, people don't know each other well enough. And so sometimes that has been interpreted to mean that they will probably choose someone as the next pope who is European, who is working in the Curia, who is famous in some way, who people know. So we're going to have uh, a lot more coverage of this consistory to be held in August, and we're going to talk about the meeting afterwards once it happens, the meeting where the new cardinals will be discussing the Curia reform. That goes into effect really soon on June 5th, so stay tuned to America Media for any news about new appointments that might accompany that Curia reform going into effect. Jerry? Uh, I always love talking especially about the College of Cardinals with you because you have so much insight from writing your book on the last conclave. Uh, you really have an insider's view of how this works. So thanks for taking some time to talk with me this week. Thank you, Colleen. It's uh, full of surprises from Francis and we don't know what else he will bring out of his head. <laughs> well, whatever happens, we will talk about it here on Inside the Vatican. Thanks. Inside the Vatican is a production of America Media. This week's episode was produced by Maggie Van Dorn and Ricardo de Silva. Production assistance from Vivian Richard at the Jesuit Curia in Rome. Sound engineering by Kevin Christopher Robles. Our executive producer is Sebastian Gomes. You can find in-depth and up-to-date Vatican coverage at americamagazine.org and follow us on Twitter at I-N-S-D-E Vatican Pod. That's inside without the second I, Vatican Pod. Please consider supporting our work here on Inside the Vatican by purchasing a digital subscription to America Magazine. You can do that at americamagazine.org slash subscribe. For America Media with Gerard O'Connell, I'm your host and producer, Colleen Deli. We'll see you next time. Have you ever wanted to dive deeper into scripture? If so, you're in luck, because every day there's a new scripture reflection from the thoughtful staff at America Media, thinking through big questions together, like, what do Catholics believe about guardian angels? And what can Gen Zers take away from the Gospels? If you're already a subscriber, you can access these reflections in your email inbox or on our website. If you'd like to become a digital subscriber, it's easy to do. Just visit americamagazine.org slash subscribe, and you'll have full access to America's scripture reflections.